A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13, verses 34 through 35. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what does it mean to be a Christian in the U.S. in 2020? Uh, As we talked about last week, we're suffering through a pandemic. We're experiencing friction and division and, uh, and protests around racism and justice. We have riots. We have violence. Um, we have ex- an extremely divisive presidential campaign. And we're two weeks away uh, from an election that is almost certainly going to add more bitterness and, and chaos into the mix. So how can we, as people of faith, navigate these difficult and painful and scary things? As I said at the beginning tonight, we're continuing our our vision series to hopefully begin to discuss that question. We do a series of this nature about this time every year uh, to help us remember who we are and have a vision for who we are becoming. We try to strip things down and get back to the basics, um, the essentials of what an integrated life of faith can look like. And the way that we try to articulate this is through three simple words that serve as a framework for how we live, up, in, and out. Up, how we live and move toward God, in, how we live and move towards ourselves and each other, and out how we live and move toward the world around us. Uh, Really quickly, before we get into what we're talking about tonight, a bit of housekeeping. Originally, some of you may have noticed that originally the plan that we (laughs) emailed out and kind of put on social media was that in this series, you were going to get to hear from each of the three uh, parish pastors of the Sacred Grace. Uh, But then Nathan and Joe went and scheduled vacations and uh, we're going to be out of town at least one week of this really short series. And they felt like they didn't want to miss two weeks at their church. So they asked if we could shift course and all teach at our own churches, which is fine. It's a great idea. Uh, I already taught at both of their churches, so that's fine. Um, it's fine. Uh, we'll get Nathan and Joe in here to, to speak sometime soon. But I just wanted to acknowledge that we're not doing at all what I said because Nathan and Joe are making a liar out of me. All right, uh, with that out of the way, last week we talked about uh, moving up and growing up towards God. Tonight we're looking at how we move and, and uh, live toward, in towards each other. Wow. We're talking about how we live and move in towards each other. Um, moving in toward each other, loving each other, is maybe everything. Uh, there's this story about John, one of Jesus's 12 disciples, and maybe Jesus's best friend. Uh, And in his old age, John would continually tell and remind the people in his church to love one another over and over and over again, he'd say it to people. And when someone finally asked why he did this so often, he replied to them, because it's what our Lord commanded. And if it's all you do, then it is enough. If loving one another is all we did, it would be enough. I think loving one another has always been challenging. Uh, But moving in towards each other feels so much more difficult in 2020, at least for those of us in the U.S. I don't know about elsewhere because obviously I don't live elsewhere. Uh, Moving toward unity, moving toward mutual submission and love seems to be kind of the exact opposite of where most people are at right now. Um, I just was curious, and so... um, I did a little research, if you can even believe it, for this talk. And here are the titles of the first page of results when I Googled people cutting off. And then it actually, the first suggestion it filled in was family. So uh, people cutting off family. 27 toxic family quotes for encouragement and letting go. Light reading. 
Uh, you don't have to talk to toxic family members. Completely avoiding your toxic family members might be unhealthy too. So there's just no winning. Uh, cutting ties with toxic, toxic family members, an act of self-care. 30 signs of a toxic family and when to cut them out of your life. When and how to cut the ties of bad family relationships. Seven ways to deal with toxic family members during self-quarantine. Letting go of toxic people, even if it's a family member. Every single one of these articles was written this year. Most of them since June. This is clearly something that's on people's minds. Not so much how we move in towards each other, but how do we get away from, how do we sever relationships with each other? Uh, I've talked about this a lot lately, but I've seen so many um, cute little cura curated uh, social media posts about it being appropriate to completely cut off family and friends when they become toxic. Um, but when you dig into it, that word toxic often includes and sometimes only means people who simply think or believe or vote differently than you. People who say the wrong things or, or even simply just don't say the right things. Get rid of these people or at least get rid of them until they come around and see the light. Now, uh, I want to be clear. There are certainly times when it is appropriate and good to cut someone off uh, out of your life. If someone is dangerous, if they're a threat to your safety, don't stick around. Uh, if someone is abusive, the most loving thing that you can do for them and yourself is to get out of there and not continue in that relationship. But mostly, the context that I've been seeing lately, uh, all this cutting off talk in, is just not having grace or patience or consideration for people who hold different beliefs than you and conflating that disagreement with them hating you or, or their presence being an actual existential threat to you. And it's a tempting trap to fall into. I've found myself more than a few times the past few months thinking, that person hates me, when all that they've done is simply disagree with me about some usually hyper-specific issue. And most of the time, they don't have a second thought about me or certainly don't hate me. Uh, here's an example of the kind of things that I'm talking about that I just came across today. This little uh, Instagram post, cutting people off doesn't have limits. Family can get cut off if they're causing you stress. Eliminate any negativity from your circle. Uh, this was posted with the hashtags, <laughs> cutting off family, cutting off people, Disrespect me, get disrespected. So basically, if someone causes you stress, if someone brings any negativity, cut them out. It's that, it, it's, that's it. It's that easy. Obviously, this is an incredibly immature way of navigating the world, but it seems to be more and more socially acceptable, especially in 2020. I think when we adopt these kind of immature postures towards our relationships, like that post or like what I've been doing, thinking that people hate me when they disagree with me, um, we make moving in towards each other impossible when we do this. And we reject what Jesus calls us to. We're called to think and act differently than the world around us. I'm going to read to you part of this short little story about Jesus and his best friends uh, the night before he was arrested and then tried and then crucified. Uh, this is from John 13. Um, so Jesus is hanging out with the 12 disciples, celebrating the Jewish festival of Passover by sharing a meal together. And like in the middle of the meal, Jesus gets up and takes off his robe. So he's kind of just down to his underwear, essentially. Um, he wraps a towel around his waist. He fills a bowl with water and he starts washing and drying the disciples' feet. And they all kind of freak out because you probably know washing people's feet at that time was was something someone's lowest servant did because feet are gross. 
uh, especially in a time when walking was the primary mode of transportation and people didn't really have shoes. There were no Nikes back then. Uh, so your feet got disgusting, like really gross. So Jesus basically takes the place of the lowest servant and starts washing his disciples' feet. And when they're uncomfortable with it, he says, listen, guys, you have to let me do this. If you want to be my followers, you have to let me serve you like this. And when he's gone around and washed everyone's feet and dried them, he sits back down and he says this. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We're going to skip down to verse 34. Let me give you a new command to love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for one another. Love one another in the same way I loved you, love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. This sounds great. I'm all about this, but that can mean a lot of things. Uh, When I come across passages like this, it, it, usually sounds really great to me. And then I start dissecting and being like, well, what does that, honestly, what does that mean? Um, what does Jesus mean here? What is he actually asking of us? Because love one another can mean like multitudes. Um, I think Jesus kind of gives us a spectrum of what this looks like within this passage and then kind of close by in the same book. Uh, he gives us some idea that we've already, what we've already looked through when Jesus said, Uh, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So that's one aspect of the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. um, Yeah, calling us to have for one another, serving, even in the lowest, most humble ways. We also get more of a picture of what Jesus says just a little bit later in in John 15, when Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So on one hand, Jesus, when he says love one another, uh, that means serving one another, even in the menial and mundane um, tasks like washing feet. And then on the other hand, Loving one another is seen through heroic acts at great risk to ourselves to the point of giving our lives for one another. So the love that Jesus calls us to extend to each other, the love that Jesus demonstrated to us in his life and death is a love that extends from the mundane to the heroic and captures every kind of self-giving act between the two. This is what Jesus means when he says love one another. This is the kind of love that he's talking about. Love rooted in in sacrificial and self-giving action. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a posture towards people, but it's rooted in the real world in action. It's active, not passive love. It's also unconditional love. Jesus shows this love to these friends of his who are all just minutes or hours away from utterly failing him. Jesus shares a meal with and washes the feet of Judas who will soon betray him. Peter, who will soon deny even knowing him and all the rest of his disciples who will soon abandon him when he needs them the most. The love that Jesus exemplifies and calls us to 
toward to have toward one another is in no way predicated upon the recipients being worthy or having earned this type of love, right? This love is freely given regardless of how well it's received or how deserving the recipient is. And that's really good news because we as the church continually fail to live up to this command all the time. We fail uh, in this when we allow theological or political or really any kind of disagreements to devolve into personal attacks and name calling. When we reduce people down to what they think about a single issue and then judge their character based solely on that. When we label people as toxic or evil and cut them out of our lives because they don't agree with us about something. When we uh, reduce other human beings, other people created in the image of God down to stressors in our lives that need to be eliminated. We fail to love one another when we distance ourselves from others who are suffering the consequences of sin, either their own sin or sin that has been done to them because having compassion for them would be too complicated or too stressful or might bring us down or lead us down the wrong path somehow. When we as the church divide ourselves endlessly over who is considered in and good and who is out and bad, all we show the world is that the God that we're always talking about is just as shallow and just as fake and just as fragile as we are. But in this passage, Jesus is extremely clear and unequivocal. It is through witnessing the self-giving and sacrificial love between us that the world will know God. It's not through our theological or political correctness. It's not through our moral or ideological purity. It's not through the things that we get outraged about or cancel or or cut off toxic, toxic people. It's not through our political or social alignments. It's not through flags or bumper stickers or slogans or hashtags that we throw around, but simply through our loving acts of service and self-sacrifice that the world will come to know and see God through us. Everything hinges on this. If we can get this right, if we can get loving each other this way down, if we can start moving in toward each other, Well, then like that story about John and what he used to say, it'll be enough. So how can we begin to combat the divisions and fractures that our culture seems so intent on promoting and and enhancing? How can we love each other the way that Jesus calls us to? How can we move in towards each other in 2020? I think actually this is laid out really simply and really beautifully in something that we read in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, uh, which says this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Honor one another above yourselves. Don't burn out. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Be patient when you have troubles, pray all the time, help needy Christians, be inventive in hospitality. Honestly, we could just end here because I think this is really straightforward and clear, but there's a few things I want to highlight just as a way of closing tonight that uh, we just read here in Romans 12. This is how we begin to move in. This is how we begin to love one another this year. Number one, moving in requires moving up. Our love for each other starts with and overflows from the love that we receive from God. We can't sustain the kind of love that Jesus commands us to on our own. We have to receive it from God and, and, and have that pour 
out from him onto other people. So moving in requires moving up. Number two, be authentic. Don't fake it. Be who you really are with people. You can't love others and others can't love you when you're wearing a mask and pretending. Hmm. I just realized how weird it is to say that phrase and look into (laughs) a room full of people wearing masks. But you know what I'm saying. When you're pretending to be someone that you're not, not saying stop wearing a mask. Number three, don't give up when things are hard. Number four, pray. Pray for others. Pray for yourself. Even when you don't feel like it, even if all you're praying about is how you don't want to be praying right now and how you think it's dumb, pray. It's like 95% of my prayers lately. Number five, meet or help meet the needs of people around you. And number six, be inventive in hospitality. If that's not a verse written for 2020, I don't know what is. Uh, Hospitality is hard in general, at least for me it is. Some of you have an incredible gift of being hospitable people, and I'm very jealous of that and also very thankful for that. Um, But it's really hard for all of us this year in a pandemic. So be creative and inventive with how you can extend hospitality to people. Uh, The simplest thing, which feels ridiculous that I... Uh, that it's so profound to me, but it (laughs) has been lately. One of the most meaningful things that a few people have done for me this year is literally just calling me on the phone to check in on me. Hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? Like, it's that simple, and it has meant the world to me. It's a simple gesture that goes a long way towards loving other people and um, extending hospitality with our actions. This is what we're called to do. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If we can get this right, like I said, if we can, if we can get loving each other uh, this way down, if we can start moving in toward each other, it'll be enough. Let's pray. God, thank you for... Um, Thank you for this group of resilient people who don't give up on each other and don't give up on um, me and uh, certainly haven't given up on you. God, thank you that me and my family have a group of people who love us and care about us and, and move in toward us. I pray that all of us in this community would would come to understand and feel the reality um, that we are all here for each other. I pray that as we continue to push and move and grow up toward you, that the overflow of love and grace that we receive from you would push us to pour that out on others. God, thank you for what a blessing it is to know and be known by others. We love you. Amen.